Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Stick around until the end of today's episode to hear the opening segment of The Athletic's newest narrative podcast, The Play Callers, where Jordan Rodrigue takes you inside the dynamics of the NFL's youngest coaching family, the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay tree, with exclusive interviews with four head coaches and all your favorite sports personalities. Find all five episodes on The Athletic Football Show feed wherever you're listening to this podcast. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far ought to have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? High drive. Left field. It is out of here. This is a simple game. You throw the ball. You hit the ball. You catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 56 of The Roundtable. Grant Brisby here with Mark Carrig, Andy McCullough. Mark, let's start with you. How you doing, Mark? Well, I'm back from five days in the wilderness with my daughter and my gigantic family of aunts, uncles, cousins, and all that. Boy, a lot happened in that time. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm catching up on it now. Yeah. Whoa. Welcome back from vacation. That just, just a great feeling. Just a great feeling to come back from vacation. And how many Slack messages do you have to read? Something like 85. Whatever. Read one of them on the pod right now. I'm sure they're all good news. Uh, okay. Andy, how you doing? I'm well. I'm here in Seattle for the All-Star game. It's, uh, you know, it could happen anywhere, but you can only find it here. I don't know. Mark, where'd you go on vacation? Where in the wilderness? Just confirming that Jason will write a column off the derby. There, you asked me to read a Slack message. There it is. <laughs> we, um, we're back in Northern California, actually. Yeah, in the valley, we went to a campground. It's called Lake McSwain. Um, it was wonderful, remote, beautiful, no reception. Terrific wow. time. The dream. The absolute dream. Absolute dream. But boy, did I walk back into a different world, boys. Holy smokes. Anyway. Real quick, Andy, uh, I have glasses on because uh, I've got some irritation in one of my eyes. How do you wear these things? You uh, just kind of squint as much as possible, and you can't ever take them off because you will have bags and indents in your nose and eyes that uh, make you feel self-conscious. And then also you can't get in contacts because your fingers are too big. Uh, Jesus. I, I really can't. I cannot. Like, my fingers are, like, too – like, I can't spread my face open without, like, poking myself in the eye. So I can't wear contacts, yeah. You got the, the Farmer John sausages uh, on for digits and you can't do contacts? I got big old mitts. Like, I can't text. You know, I constantly make typos. Like, you know, yeah, I'm just... I ha So, like, the thing about my body is that 
I'm like, I'm again, I'm six foot three, 235 pounds, right? Like if you see that, if you see that like on a, you know, on a roster of a football team, you're like, whoa, that guy's a killer. That's a great stat line. Unless you're 36 years old and you can barely run a mile without like getting a stitch in your side and starting to like itch three minutes in, you know, so it's kind of useless actually. There's, I don't know. People come to this podcast for body dysmorphia talk, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, that's what the uh, reviews are always saying. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about. Let's. Switch. It's what keeps him coming back, 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 back. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the Derby. Let's segue. talk about the Derby. Yes, sir. <laughs> we are talking home run Derby here because Andy was there. I don't even want to say it's a lukewarm take. It's just it's almost like an obvious take. Insofar as the Derby's better. The Derby is still extremely a top-heavy event to watch, where you go in and it's like all-you-can-eat uh, jack-in-the-box mini tacos, and you're like, ah, oh, that's pretty good. And then by the end, you just don't want any more. Like, I, no one cares about the final round. At least, maybe I'm projecting, but but they're gassed, and it's like, oh yeah, that one went over the fence. Oh, what was the launch angle on? Wow, that was a good launch angle. You know what I mean? At first, when you're watching Julio Rodriguez, just bomb you know that was outstanding that's as good as one of these exhibitions can be i just wonder if there's something to do at the tail end to and i'll spice it up a little bit but eh, whatever i guess the move is to shorten the event to make it just a four-person tournament or have it so that you know the first round is you know like a round like a you know three versus three or something like that you know like a, a triple threat type of thing because it's just it's just bloated and like every year like Mookie Betts credit to him for like going to do it you know like he figured he'd give it a try it's good for you know the game to have like one of its best players doing it but he was like three swings in last night it was like oh I suck at this all right let's get out of here you know (laughs) but he's got to like be on tv for the next five minutes trying to hit home runs like which is a uh, it's an excellent exhibition for the humanity of baseball players. Like when JD Martinez is like, "Hey man, you just got to pull the ball," and Mookie's like, "I don't know how to do that." Uh, <laughs> but that's not really a great way to sell the game to fans, I guess, if that makes sense. So I don't know. I mean, like, make it so that it's you know a four person tournament where it's like Pete Alonso, Shohei Otani, Julio Rodriguez, and Vlad Guerrero every year. Uh, maybe that's more exciting, but then it's a one hour of, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. There's definitely, it's a, it's a, the first hour of the Derby is always much better than the second hour. No question. Yeah. That's always when you get the, the Josh Hamilton and you get uh, Pete Alonso going bonkers. It's uh I don't think there's anything like, I'm not trying to say, oh, the Derby's broken. I mean, cause did you see the, the last night making the rounds? Like people are taking screenshots of the old home run derbies on Twitter there's like you've got a 1990 the home run derby where it's they split them up so it's like National League versus American League and the American League team had Mark McGuire, Ken Griffey Jr., Jose Canseco, Cecil Fielder uh, as their representatives. They combined for one home run. <laughs> I just I cannot like was what, was Greg Maddox throwing BP? Like, it's like Camilo Duvall in from the future was throwing to them. Well, it was the dude throwing to Alonzo last night. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Did you see that? The Pitch Ninja put that thing up there with all of his movement. Did they give the freaking guy sticky stuff on the way out? I mean, Pete Alonzo went out there without Dave Jouse, and that's what happens when you don't that's have Dave That's the first Jouse. problem I mean, right look, there. You know, Steve Cohen's done a lot of you know good to bolster the Mets organization, but he let Jouse leave. And you really have to wonder at what point he's going to have to answer for that. 
It's like Andre going out there with that Bobby Heenan. Can't happen. I I would rather participate as a slugger in the home run derby than as a pitcher. The pressure of being a batting practice pitcher would scare me. I would go out there and, you know, I I would look like me and and make a few swings and top a few over uh, down the, the third baseline and laugh and everyone would laugh at me. But pitching, it seems like I should be able to throw a ball with repetition where it goes, but that terrifies me because I know I wouldn't. I know I would screw it up 1,700 times. Did you catch uh, John Schneider himself throwing BP to uh, Vlad Guerrero? Like the actual manager was doing it? No, that's awesome. No, I missed yeah. that. And there was a great tweet from the Blue Jays that just said, manager John Schneider is getting absolutely shelled right now. <laughs> <laughs> he throws BP for them fairly frequently. I guess yeah. so. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's sort of on the younger side for managers. Yeah. So. Yeah. He's got he's got BP thrower face. Yeah, he sure does. What's BP He third? sure does. All right, so I need this elaborated. What's BP No, you, you can see him you know, dragging you know the L screen out it. there and, and setting up like the whole like, you know, the, the mat, right? You can see the whole thing where he takes a couple, you know, balls out of the basket and like kind of throws a little spot before a guy steps in. How, how many is he holding in his left hand? Like how many like two, at least three. two. Yeah, at least two. But he but he can get more in there. It's just he's just keeping the fingers loose, yeah. He's got the sort of ruddy complexion that speaks to spending a you know a, a decent amount of time in the sun, but forgetting to put on sunscreen. Like that's BP thrower face. That's yeah. right. It's sun damage and toughness. <laughs> uh, do they do they hit fungos too? You know, it's within the same family, but it's not the same job. Cousins. Like yeah. Can you play pepper around them? No, 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 no. No peppers. Peppers, no, peppers out. They, no peppers. You gotta understand out. the fungo. So, like the 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 fungo archetype is the guy who uses a bat as a cane. So they're walking through. <laughs> oh, good call. Spring training, and they have their fungo, and they are using it to support their rickety knees. And then all of a sudden, they get to the line and they bow up and then start hitting and just perfection every single time. And then. The fungo round ends, and they just take the bat back and then hobble back towards the clubhouse to go drink some leaded coffee. Yes. You know, it's usually very bad posture. Right. Yeah, terrible posture. Like, you find the dude on the field before the game with the crappiest posture. That dude hits amazing fungus. (laughs) That guy. 100%. The guy with the worst posture has been gifted at least two gold gloves by his best player as a trophy. They said, I couldn't have done it, you know, without David. Right. Quasimodo has helped produce multiple gold glove winners with those fungos. Like, I mean, it's true. Like, there, there is, if you had a chart, you would see, like, the actual, you know, like, the, the relationship between the two. Crappy posture, you know, uh, competence with a fungo bat. I played golf with a guy who was... Uh, you old. play golf? Well, poorly. That's the, I'm getting to that part of the story. Yeah, so I was I, just thinking, I, I just real quick, how could anyone dislike this stupid podcast? <laughs> Seriously. Hey, rate and review, everybody. Uh, come on. Oh, you it, you it, don't but, get this dumb stuff anywhere else. Anyway, Grant, sorry. No, I, I, I played golf with a guy who was probably 80, 85, and he couldn't take the club back far, like almost to his hip. He demolished me. Just like everything was straight and true. That guy's got some fungos. Like I get it now. Like he was it's, probably. Yeah. But that's just every golfer over the age of 80. They're amazing. Buck 45 and dead straight. Try it sometime, Grant. You shorten that swing, buddy. It's not Mr. Havocamp just hitting it into the, into the, into the water. <laughs> oh, Dolly, I'm hot today. Uh. 
Uh, all right, let's let's move on. Uh, everyone, oh, every- I had an all star question. I, oh, real please, quick, please, I had an all star question please. for you guys because I'm curious what you guys think. There's been, you know, like Ken Rosenthal wrote about this, like Joel Sherman from the New York Post wrote about this. The idea of getting someone like Ellie De La Cruz into the All Star game that there should be like a carve out for this type of player. What, uh, good idea, bad idea. Where do you guys fall on it? Great idea. Should have happened yesterday. Look, golf tournaments. We we're just talking about golf. They have what are called sponsors exemptions, all right? Mm. And they do it to sort of juice the field, right? If someone's interesting. For instance, like there have been times where the top women's player in the world has entered a men's tournament. Now, technically, they haven't qualified for that tournament or whatever. They don't have the card. They don't, whatever, like has, haven't hit the, the required prerequisites. But then the sponsor just tosses out an exemption, says, you know what? The hell with that. We want you here anyway uh, because it is a draw. And that's what baseball should be doing. So I'm 100% for it. There's already a professional comp for it. Um, it only makes sense. It's an exhibition game. Give the people what they want. Just quick follow-up, Mark. I reasonable idea. Who is in charge of deciding who that player is every year? Well, obviously the most popular dude in baseball, Rob Manfred. Interesting that management wants management to have more power. Okay. <laughs> this, that's just tired. It's too uh, early for that. We're 12 minutes in or 10 minutes in. Oh, come on. I'm going to put a uh, link in Mark's our chat. Anti-labor in. stance comes through loud and clear. The power should be with the people. Andy. <laughs> it should be a fan vote. And, Mark, and Rob Manfred is the voice of the people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grant, what do you think? I mean, do you agree? I, 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 I don't like. Yeah, I, all right. I'm going to put a link in uh, the chat. Click on this link without reading it, okay? Because if you read it, it's going to spoil it. I want the pure, undistilled reaction of you clicking to see what I'm putting in the chat. Ready? Go. <sighs> click it right now? Click it. Just click it. <laughs> yes. They used to be hung up in the press box at Turner Field. So was, what I put in the chat was a cover of Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Uh, it is The Natural. And it's got Jeff Francoeur on there. Frenchy. Atlanta rookie Jeff Francoeur is off to an impossibly hot start. Can anyone be this good? And <laughs> the answer is, yeah, lots of people can be that good. And I'm not saying Ali De La Cruz is uh, Jeff Francoeur, but I do think that there is some shine to someone who's up, hasn't seen the league a couple times, there isn't a book on them. You've never seen them fail. So, of course, they're an all-star. I, I would like him to be Ellie De La Cruz for longer. And then when he's there, he's probably just as exciting as he would be now. So I don't know. I'm a, would I be upset if you were in there? Would it be like, oh, the integrity? of No. I mean, like, he's fun to watch. I'll watch him hit fungos. But uh, <laughs> he'd be terrible at it. His posture's too good. Yeah, yeah no, he's too. a good athlete. He couldn't do that. Uh, he'd probably hit a fungo and then catch it. So there you go. But uh, I, I wouldn't be upset with him. I just think I'm not clamoring for him, right? I'm not a clamorer. My first thought about that is, all right, what is Ellie De La Cruz's WRC plus right now? It's like 120. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Damn it. That's Boom. the point. Yet it again. doesn't matter what his WRC plus is. This is it's an exhibition game, and he's one of the most exciting ball players in the sport. Period. Full stop. All right, I'm not going to get into some anti-stat screed because that's dumb. But this is one of these instances where it doesn't matter what he's doing statistically. doesn't matter if he's quote-unquote earned it. The guy's on the highlights every night. People want to see him play, period. Let's take this to the logical conclusion. Uh, let's say this morning the Pirates signed Paul Skeens to a, a contract 
and they say, hey, Manfred, this, this cat throws 101 where he wants to. Let's get this guy in the All-Star game. Because right now, I'm not sure if you can get five more interesting, compelling pitchers than Paul Skeens on this planet. Um, so do you put Paul Skeens in the All-Star game? Got is this ass. a real feasible thing? Because like, I feel like this is more... Rhetorical a, trick? Is this just, yeah, like, yeah. I mean... I, By I, your logic. Me, am I like, like uh, Ben Shapiro or Charlie Kirk out here? I just, mean, I, to, <laughs> sponsors exemption is where I go, all right? And if, it, if somebody who will, like, put asses in the seats or add to the excitement, then I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Actually, I think I'd encourage it. I've, I've kind of for a long time thought the All-Star Game has been treated almost too seriously. It's an exhibition. It's an exhibition. It's a celebration of the sport. So if you want to get goofy, this is the time to get goofy. That, that's my thought on it. So, you know, that's why, I mean, I'm being kind of a smartass about that. It doesn't matter what the guy's stats are. But, but in this case, my real take is not that far off from that. All right. Like if they're exciting, if they're not, okay, let's put it the other way around. Like if what, let's say it's an aging star. Someone who like, you know, doesn't have, clearly does not have the numbers, but they're right at the end. Everyone knows it's the end. They didn't make the team. To me, like, it's time to send that guy off. They did that right? last year. Did, yeah, right. Right? right. Didn't they do that yeah. with Pujols, Pujols and Cabrera last year? Yeah. So, you know, like, uh, what's wrong with that? I, I thought that, that was great. Yeah, I love so. that. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with it. I do, uh, I don't know, like... Why does the idea, I don't know, like Ronald Acuna Jr. is everything Ellie De La Cruz is as a player and more. He just like doesn't steal home. <laughs> like, you know, so like I, I there's going to be very exciting players in the game tonight. There's going to be Corbin Carroll. Like, I don't know, unless you're like specifically putting Ellie De La Cruz there to like as a pinch runner. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like the, it's not like the NBA All-Star game where, like, look, if you put the guy on the floor, like, something fun's going to happen. Like, he might just, you know, get struck out by Garrett Cole or something like that, which I guess, like, whatever. That's, you know, you can't control the outcomes. But I, I think, Andy, he's facing Garrett Cole. That's the point. You know, like, I think All-Star games, again, this is one of those where, you know, it's a baseball thing. We take it all too seriously. You want to get as many cool players on the field at the same time as humanly possible because you never know what's going to happen. I get. I guess that's where I stand. All right. The more of those guys that you get in there, then great. You know, like now we're not talking about some like reliever who's having a good year, right? Who's getting there on merit or whatever. But like you know, most of these relievers aren't going to move the needle like that, right? Like you want someone who's just going to move the needle. So I. I mean, I think even if they go up there and the outcome is like a strikeout. I mean, gosh, you know, like Mike Trout struck out against Shohei Otani. Like that was the outcome of that at bat. Okay. Like, I don't care. Like, it's more about who faced who. Oh, I forgot about that. Wow. That was so long ago. I was like, what are you talking? When did Mike Trout face Shohei Otani in the All-Star game? Like, what? By the way, Grant, you said five more interesting pitchers than Paul Skeens. I mean, come on, buddy. How about Robert Stevenson, Kevin Kelly, Sean Armstrong, Zach Littell, and... Jake Diekman, five members of the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen. Let's go. Hey, would you like some Robert Stevenson trivia? Always. We're related. Like Treasure Island? <laughs> Robert Robert Ste- <laughs> no. Robert Stevenson is, I think, like a third cousin or something like that wow. on my mom's side. Yeah. In fact, I just put up pictures of said camping trip and his mom liked it on Facebook. Oh, that's nice. This morning. Yeah. So how about that? And I've been in the clubhouse with him like three times. Like I don't know him at all. 
it's weird to like go up and say that to someone. So I've never once interacted. Oh, yeah, come on. that's a that's a tough one. If you it's come up weird. and you're like, "Hi, uh, Mark Carrig from the Athletic. Uh, we're related." And he's like, "All right, man. I yeah, cool. God, nice to meet you." Now get out. Yeah, I do it. Yeah, what? No, nah, man, that's your cousins. Weird. Come on, man. you do it. When's the last time we're in the clubhouse? Me? We, we must. You and I must be neck and neck. Ooh, yeah, it's been a while. That's sad. Like I, <laughs> like Giancarlo Stanton might have been on the Marlins. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You guys aren't missing much. (laughs) We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Everyone's talking about it, and I want to get your guys' uh, opinion on this. Uh, Daniel Cuvay, uh, he's a high schooler. Uh, he's about the 223rd pick in the draft. I thought he was going to go day one, day two because of the power potential, but it seems like he's lasted at least 10 rounds. Can someone buy him out from his commitment to Miami uh, on day three of the draft? Mark, go. Are you making this up? No. I'm is- too sleepy and tired to know <laughs> if this is like a work or a shoot right now. Which one is it? He's working us, right? Andy, this is a work. I don't know. You never know with Grant. It's all good information. I just gave you the <laughs> gave you the deets. All right. No, we're not talking about giraffe. I just wanted we're to- We're big th- draft heads here. 
I don't give a damn. Except for there's a dude named Kerrig that got drafted. So that was cool. Cousin Cole. Oh, yeah. Pay, taken by the Rockies as a catcher from San Diego, I think. An extra R and an extra G. It looks like uh, like if Andy were drunk on the podcast, it's like, oh, Kerrig. Well, you should see the text. The question is, when is there too much rig in Kerrig? I guess we're going to find out when Cousin Cole gets Cousin out. Cousin Cole is, is putting it to the test. Giants drafted a guy named Maui Ahuna. And I'm just going on Come record. On. Yeah, just what's going, his name? Maui, like you know, Maui, Hawaii. Yeah. Ohuna. So a strong Irish boy. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think it's Ahuna. Sorry. Yeah. No. He he went to Greenwich Country Day School. Yeah. <laughs> Strapping Irish lad from Greenwich Country Day. I feel like we've been robbed. Stubby Clap should have been a Hall of Famer, right? We need a new catfish hunter. We need a new like uh, superstar with a name that you get used to, like like uh, Maui Ohuna. So I'm pushing for that. We are done talking about the draft. Um, officially. So what do you want to do? You want to do first half uh, review, like your surprise of the first half? Do you want to do uh, your disappointment of the first half? Oh, uh, no, we can't. We, we, we've we agreed that we're not talking about Buck Showalter this episode. So we, can't <laughs> we, we made a solemn vow to not do another whole episode on Showalter. So. Hard pass. Let's go. Next. I think my surprise is, I think there's going to be some really interesting division races in both western divisions i think the rangers and astros is going to be pretty fun down the stretch the astros obviously you know have the championship pedigree all that they've taken a lot of hits but they're still right there in the mix and the rangers play a really good brand of baseball that is enjoyable to watch they seem to be you know they're one of those teams that like a lot of things are going well and they're building off that. You know, they're a bit ahead of schedule in terms of, you know, their window for contention. And then in the other Western division, you kind of have a similar, uh, you know, sort of race with like the upstart Diamondbacks who had been in first place for a, quite a bit and, had, you know, recently fallen off and going up against kind of, you know, the juggernaut Dodgers who are obviously not the juggernaut that they have been for quite some time. So you got, you know, kind of wounded colossus against upstart teams i think that's a fun you know i like that because look like the races in the two central divisions will be close um and maybe you know brewers reds like that could be kind of fun because they are you know the reds are you know theoretically exciting but like the al central you know cheese and rice (laughs) and then the two east divisions are kind of they not not well i mean the rays are kind of slipping but i don't know anyway i'm looking forward to the two western races down the stretch. I think that'll be fun. And it's, it's been nice to see, you know, a team like Texas who has really, you know, quote unquote tried uh, in the past two off seasons, you know, have success. And it's also nice to see, you know, the D backs, a team that have tried in a different sort of way, but have really built a sort of you know, a thing that looks like it's almost sustainable to see them rewarded as well. No, I agree. And I wrote something a, a long time ago for SB nation about how the Rangers and Astros in like 20, 30 years, you're going to look back and that's going to be not as big as Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals, Giants, Dodgers, but up there is a rivalry that you're paying a little bit more attention to. Uh, and all it needs is, are just games. It needs seasons. It needs seasons like this because that seems to me like a really cool rivalry in the making. Rangers, Astros, you just need to be 
you need both of them to be good at the same time together and doing exactly what they're doing, bashing heads together. Uh, it would be a little bit cooler in this specific scenario if there were uh, an unbalanced schedule and you saw them a ton all year. But even without that, I think it's just really cool. Uh, Rangers, Astros, Buttonheads, uh, the Mariners, I, I do think the Mariners are going to make a, a little bit of a charge, but Rangers, Astros, to me, just finally, they're, they're, uh, again, in direct competition with each other. You know, it's my understanding that those clubs legit didn't like each other for a while, right? Like just not just the players, but I guess the front offices too. I don't know if I, that's still the case or not, because there's been some turnover there, but battling um, for the soul of Nolan Ryan. <laughs> yeah like i'd heard you know like uh anyway maybe that's old news now because again there's been some turnover but we're looking at surprises not a surprise here at the round table the boston red squints two games off the wild card also that? also in last place but also yes. in, isn't that amazing <laughs> but yeah but like they are two games they, they've won five in a row coming into the break right like they've turned like you know you squint hard enough and you can see it, boys. And and they are within reach of so that to surprise. Um, you know, I guess uh I'm surprised that the A's have maintained their hundred and eighteen loss pace, you know, despite they have fought through like competence for like three weeks to uh get back to what they've been doing. So that's kind of surprising because it's really hard to lose all, all those games. Um well, the Royals know, are right I mean, there. I mean uh, the Royals are right there. The Royals yeah. might be the, the disappointment. Man, oh man. Didn't we talk about them being interesting? Well, well they're not we they're not, not interesting they're, right now. I don't know. See, I actually think they're uninteresting and they stink and it's That's the worst the combination. Yeah, they they're kind of getting into they're drifting towards Rockies territory. There you go. <laughs> That's exactly right. They they they're occupying the same neighborhood at this point. Real quick uh uh Red Squins point. Lovely moment yesterday at uh media the media availability Kenley Jansen was asked uh the Red Sox closer was asked you know, hey, Kenley, like the, the trade deadline's coming up. You know, I know you guys are in last place, but you've been playing good baseball. You're in the wild card hunt. Do you want to see the team, you know, buy or sell at the deadline? And he was like, oh, sell. Definitely. We need to sell. And he goes, I'm sorry. I meant buy. Oh, my gosh. I meant buy. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Kenley is just like, he's such a wonderful fellow and he's so enthusiastic. He was like, oh, my bad. My bad. So buy, buy. We're good. Like, you know, it was just, I was just thinking like, wow, this is kind of a cool little story. Like Kenley says, give up. But it was, he just misspoke. In the funny, but he does did it with such like confidence, you know that that's why that's what makes Kenley the best. Oh man, I was like when you said that, I was like, how did I not hear yeah. about right? This? You'd be like, wow, that would have been a big story. But hey, that's a closer mentality. If you make a little mistake, you just power through it. And you're like, no, 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 cut her up. Let's keep going. <laughs> you turn to your second baseman. You go, like, you know, like you walked or you hit the guy, and then it's like, no, I'm gonna double this guy up. I informed Kenley that he was the oldest pitcher uh, at the All-Star game, and he was like, why do you always do this to me? <laughs> it, what's he really, I, I pegged him for 34, so he's older than that, I guess. He's 35, yeah. Uh, there was, I think there were four 35-year-olds. I think J.D. Martinez is the oldest player there, but uh, you know, Kershaw's 35, Alex Cobb's 35, and Kerry Kimbrell is 35. But Kenley, I believe, is the only 1987 so don't check me on that. Who cares? Uh, but anyway, yeah, the Royals, man. <laughs> it's tough. You know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's tough. It's One of my predictions for the second half, uh, which I'll just get in early, is that uh, the division winner in the Central is under 500. Uh, I was thinking about Fun. that. Yeah. I think I just want to will that into existence because it's funny. 
I don't buy any of these teams making that push to get over 500, especially with the balanced schedule. There's a fun point from the Cespedes uh, Barbecue Boys yesterday that Julio Rodriguez had more home runs in the Derby <laughs> than the Guardians had uh, all year. They had 60 home runs, which is not great. Uh, so I just, they're the leaders, they're 500, and they have just no power, no power. How many teams with a winning record get pushed out of the playoffs when a team with a sub 500 record makes it from the central right how many right like when you look at like the bracket at the end of the day how many of these you know red squints get left there i think it's, it's right? i think it's one right i mean i think it's just a one for Couldn't one it be more than that i mean mm, right no. now like there's three plus there's, there's three 500 or better teams out of the playoff picture right now right but mark doing the math only one if the the central can only occupy one playoff spot but I get the point you're making. How many teams should be annoyed by this? Like, <laughs> probably three or four. Yeah. The general point is is valid. Like, if you're playing in the American League East in an era of the unbalanced schedule, uh, you're gonna be frustrated about it a lot because you're gonna be winning most of the time. And like, I mean, you're the Red Sox. You're in. They're in last place, and they are probably like the seventh, sixth, or seventh best team in the. Uh, no, no, like they're the eighth. Never mind. But anyway, the point is they're a good team that if, you know, they were like 500 miles to the west would be in first place, you know? I haven't taken a spin on their baseball reference page in a while. They don't have one guy going bananas. It's it's a very – everyone's having kind of a solid season for them, at least in the outfield. Like that's their, that's their MO. Uh, Masataka Yoshida is uh, so fun. Uh, I am just, I'm bitter at all the scouts who were saying, like laughing at the Red Sox for signing that contract, because I wanted the Giants to sign him to that contract. And I think a lot of people wanted him, and she, he's just exciting as heck. Uh, I just want to throw that out there in the pod. No point, no point. It just, uh, this is a pro Masataka Yoshida podcast. Let's do some some highlighting, some good work real quick. Jen McCaffrey had... Something near the beginning of the season about the job that the Red Sox scouts did on on Yoshida, um, worth looking at now. Especially that you've had like a first half sample, can can see this guy belongs in the major leagues. Um, it, it's yeah, like those you know, deserve credit for that. You know, doing their homework, getting their looks in, and and being convinced that this was a dude. Who do you think is the best player who gets traded at the deadline? Oh, that's a good question. All right. Uh... Let me. It's probably going to be because the the worst teams usually sell, so it's probably someone on the A's. Let me just look at their. Ba- <laughs> Stop! <laughs> oh God! Uh, leave the A's alone. Ooh. I know. My goodness. Who would it be? It, would it be uh, Mitch Keller? Maybe. Mitch Keller. What a time to be alive. <laughs> Mitch Keller. <laughs> oh, the Pirates stink again. Oh wow. Well. Yeah. Notice that. Everyone yelled at us for saying we don't take them seriously. Yeah, come on! I mean, <laughs> they were fun, but that was. So I forgot early. about that. We everyone, got yelled at. Everyone yelled at us. Everyone. We did. We got scolded for that. Everyone scolded us when we said, "Look, it's fun, but you know, you look at the underlying stats." Well, well, sorry, sorry for using data. <laughs> Facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> um, Lucas Giolito. That's probably a good one. Yeah, that's sort of been on the board. I feel like that's on. Yeah, month, you know, because it's like in. Bieber, Giolito, or the two guys who are kind of you know thought might go. Bieber, his peripherals are so spooky that like I and if you, if the 
Guardians aren't getting the max out of him. I don't think there's many teams that look at Shane Bieber and are like, well, I mean, that team's clearly not using him properly. One weird trick. Also, you're talking about the first place Guardians, just to be clear. I mean, yes. Juggernaut first place Guardians. They're the Guardians. They'll happily, you know, uh, deal at the deadline. What about Josh Hader? Can you pull the trigger? Boy, AJ Preller. I mean, he's he's been up for the last 107 hours in the lotus position, levitating <laughs> off the ground. So, like, yeah, he could be thinking, yeah, this is, I'm going to get some of my gains back because the Padres farm system decimated because they've uh, acquired players like Josh Hader and Juan Soto and stuff like that. So, maybe, I just don't see them as being, especially with the extra wild card, I don't see them throwing in the towel. I just don't. I just they're they're too invested. The crowds are too good. You know what I mean? Like the the vibes are too good in San Diego. So even are they still? Still, I mean they're still getting people out. I wouldn't say the vibes are good. I'd say the crowd, the energy's good. They're second in the NL in attendance. Yeah, almost two million. I'd like. Did the Padres draw two million from like 1977 to 1980? Like total? I don't think they did. Like that's just off the top of my head, but. You're not necessarily thinking that your goal is the World Series at this point. You, you've you've almost given up on that. The goal of an interesting September means so much to the Padres this year. So if they can make a little run and just get fans invested for September, a little proof of concept, that has a ton of value. So you can talk about playoff spots and wildcard spots and, and championship dreams, but just being interesting in September means so much to the Padres. I don't see them selling. Man, I'm with Grant there. Yeah, that's a great point, man. I wonder, I mean, given that they did all that last year, whether there's diminishing returns. I mean, clearly, I mean, as right now, uh, no. I mean, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, the ballpark is full, like whatever. I just, I'm just wondering, you know, if you do the math and you're like, okay, we're four games under, we're not a good baseball team. Best case scenario is, you know, like the third or fourth, how many wild cards there are now. Uh, I don't know if you can get a lot for Josh Hader, but you know you have to at least listen. But probably not. They'll probably trade for Otani or something. I don't know. Uh, well, here, here's the thing. Uh, so I have, like I mentioned earlier, I've got my glasses on, which means I'm allowed to do this. Pythagorean win loss. Pythagorean win loss. Where do the Padres rank in Pythagorean win loss percentage in the National League? Probably twelfth, eleventh, one through fifteenth. Yeah, eleventh. Tw- tw- I'll say like I'll say fifth. I don't know. Third, they have the third best run differential in the National League right now, forty nine and forty one. They should be by rights second place in clear position for a wild card. Is that the true talent level of the team? Uh, man, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't even know how I got this job. That was the thought. That that was the thought that that was their true talent level. The question is always to me, right, with a team like that. Are they capable of reeling off multiple 9 of 11s, something like that? And the answer is, yeah, I think so. So, you know, is it likely? No. But is it something that you can envision them doing? Yeah. And it's not, you don't have to squint particularly hard to do it. It just hadn't happened for him yet. I didn't realize that run differential was that good, actually. Did not realize that. I've just been waiting for them to just kind of get that thing unstuck. But to, to Andy's point... I think there is a path to buying at the deadline minimally while also selling Josh Hader just because sure. that is the crown prince of you're going to get a ton of prospects back and there's a way to thread that needle. Right. I mean, yeah, it, worked a baby. The, it worked for the Brewers last year. <laughs> 
And, you know, the Padres Clubhouse is apparently like a happy, jolly place right now, too. So, like, you know, adding that element to it couldn't possibly screw it up or, like, you know, mess up the mix or whatever. We're all on the record that Otani's not. We don't think Otani's going to get traded. Just checking in here, uh, July 11th, they're 45 and 46. They're five games out of the second wild card. Will Shohei Otani be traded? No, they got to buy. They got to buy. They got to buy like right now. No time like the present. Empty the farm. What are you doing? You're going to lose Otani. You're a useless organization anyway without Otani. Buy. <laughs> Jesus Grant. Tough crowd. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, I. I don't know what they're. I don't know what they could buy that changes the end game. I don't know what they have to sell. You know what what prospects they capital they even have at this point, but. Um, you could trade Otani to get prospects to get Lucas Giolito, and then you've got Giolito <laughs> next to Otani in the rotation. If you figure out that missing step, yeah, there's that's a, how you there do is that. a there is a fourth step in there, I think. Well, figure that uh, out. Yeah, right, right. That's the old uh, question mark, question mark, question mark, profit. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It is we are drifting towards the most dispiriting end game here for the Angels, right? Like. They miss the playoffs. He leaves, and you just sort of wonder, like, what is you know, what is the point of getting up in the morning? <laughs> or he could resign with them. I don't know. He could also resign with them. I well, I, I'm I'm not so. going to rule. I'm not going to rule out Otani resigning with the Angels until he puts on another team's uniform. I get that. I just and anyone who tells you, and anyone who tells you otherwise, definitively, no one knows what this guy wants. No one knows. He came over, like he could have waited, what was it, two years to get the payday, the team's fighting tooth and nail for him and giving him nine-figure contracts. He said, no, 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 I want to challenge myself now. I'm going to make the minimum for a couple of years. Like, well, whatever, I'm Shohei Tani. I'll get my payday someday. Yeah. And he was right. He'll get a billion dollars. And everyone who's like, oh, Dodgers, who knows? He just might have a hankering for Italian beef and want to be a cub for life or he just he just loves sweating and so he might want uh, to be in Miami or Houston or something you know what I mean like he might just love humidity who knows you gotta understand right like when this guy was coming up in Japan there was not a lot of enthusiasm for him doing it doing both things right for being a two-way player right there was not a, it was he was basically told you can't do this he did it when he came over to America you know there was a lot of people writing, myself included, like no chance that this guy can pull this off. It's too hard. And he went and did it. And now there's a lot of people saying, you can't win with the Angels. Who is it? To, you know, he might look at that as like, no, actually, I can do that. Now, he might just be like, uh, actually, no, I want to play for the Dodgers, a good team. You dummies. Like, what, why would you think I'm so mysterious? I'm like every other free agent. I just want the most money. That's certainly possible. But no, but no one knows. Getting in the predicting game with him is kind of a fool's errand because he doesn't tend – he defies our sort of uh, imagination in in every way, I feel like. I think that is Heyman. Stop, Brian. <laughs> Producer Brian says oh, that John Brian. Heyman has reported the Stop. Giants have signed Brohey Otani. Stop. Stop. No. Stop. We did, I disavow that joke. Same. Oh, I don't. I do not approve finally, this message. The roundtable has gone too far. Ugh. I made an arson judge reference in my latest article. Like, come on, that's that's that's, that's forever. <laughs> oh no, I I just uh, yeah, no one knows what he's going to do. I just think if you have lived 
the angel's experience in by by which i mean it's the tungsten arm o'doyle experience you've lived that you've been a part of that and you, you can't win with mike trout as your wingman man i don't know what can familiarity uh sense of closure i don't know what would keep you there over just the idea of I have a limited time on this rock and I have to experience some sort of joy in Major League Baseball, which the Angels are not providing. Maybe. And and maybe, you know, he there is a general belief that he cares about legacy, right? That that matters to him. And one of the reasons he came over to uh, America early was because he wants to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, right? Okay. So maybe he wants his legacy to be the first... $700 million player. And, you know, so he goes to the Mets or what, you know, whatever crazy number, you know, Steve Cohen's willing to give. Giants. Yeah, sure. Sure. Giants. Yes. Yes. You know, maybe he wants to be the first, you know, $100 million per year player. And Andrew Friedman's like, finally, proof of concept. Um, we just, you know, we just don't know. Like, we just really don't know what it is. I understand the point you're making, Grant, about how, like, we have limited time on this rock, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, his brain doesn't function the way our brains function. And we don't, and that's, you can say that for a lot of athletes, but like, he also doesn't reveal what he's thinking. He's like very guarded and very, like does not tip his hand really in any way. And so it's, it's a mystery, you know, it's going to be really fascinating, but all I'm just saying is don't rule out the angels. I could be wrong. I'm an idiot, but like, whatever. I just have this vision of him sitting down for a meal and it's a meal he's never had before. And it's got noodles, it's got uh, protein, it's got spice, and it's just different. It's just different. And he takes a bite, and he's just like, this is familiar and yet just completely exotic, and it's Skyline Chili. <laughs> yes, you know yes. where I'm going with this. I knew, yes. and, and he's just like, man, what what are these guys about? And you've got Ellie <laughs> De La Cruz, and you've got a Reds. Their pitching's not so hot this year, but they've got some pitching savants in that organization. I don't know, man. The Reds would be a great fit for Otani. Could you imagine him tucking into a bowl of Skyland chili and showing up the <laughs> complex the next day? And they're like, dang, his velo's down five miles an hour. What the hell happened? Oh, no. Great idea, Grant. I'll never forget being in Cincinnati one time when I was still covering the Mets. And they had Skyline chili in the, in the press room. And myself and Andrew Kay from the New York Times were eating it. And Kay turns to me and just goes, I'm just eating this for energy. <laughs> the only purpose of this meal is just calories so my body doesn't shut down. <laughs> perfect. Oh Skyline Chili is perfectly fine, by the way. We, gosh, we're going to get more, you know, rate and review. Stop. Hey. I know. Seriously. Enough. Come on. Stop baiting these people. My uh, co-guy on the Giants beat, Andy Baggerly, generally skips uh, a lot of the Midwest trips like uh, uh, Cincinnati, uh, St. Louis, uh, and I want to take his place. I couldn't do it this year, but just to try Skyline Chili and uh, St. Louis Pizza, which has uh, like uh, processed oh, cheese on it. I'll go to uh, Skyline Chili's fine. St. Louis Pizza, everyone should be jailed. I gotta try it. I, got, I, 
I just, because I'm the kind of guy, like, when it's like pineapple on pizza, man, throw anchovies in with the pineapple and I'm eating it. Like, I I, I like a, oh, a melange man. of flavors on my tongue. So. You know, just what we need. More people in the comments talking about how we're coastal elite. <laughs> like, golly. I have a, I have a long-standing feud with the people of St. Louis. They really dislike me. All the That's Kansas right. Cityans are just, like, going crazy right now. Well, the like, Kansas ready, City people. Ready to run yeah. through the wall for yeah, Andy they're right like, now. Andy, Andy remembers us. He loved his time there. It wasn't sad. Kansas City. I, one time I went to a barbecue place. There was in a gas station. Can you imagine <laughs> such a thing? What yeah, kind of Kansas operation City is good. Oh, it yeah. Is my awesome. one of my one of my long running bits on Twitter was people would ask, "What was your favorite barbecue in Kansas City?" And I would always say the Cheesecake Factory on Country Club <laughs> Plaza. And it would just make royal. They would just get so mad and be so like, "What? Good. It's great barbecue. Have you ever had the burned ends?" At the, at the cheesecake factory. <laughs> the cheesecake factory. Anyway. I don't remember that bit, but yeah, damn, a that's good a good one, man. It's a good bit. That's yeah. like sometimes some great like, 80s heel heat right there. Sometimes uh, back when Twitter was still like a functioning website that like, you know, you could like your mentions actually made sense. Like people would just take pictures of the cheesecake factory in on Country Club Plaza and be like, I'm at the Mecca at by McCullough. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. It was so good. One of my very first Twitter jokes, and I was like really upset that it didn't do better because I thought it was just a great joke, was was that, uh, hey, I've got a great idea for a restaurant. So you know the Cheesecake Factory, right? What if there's a, a place called the Diarrhea Factory that served good cheesecake as opposed to the Cheesecake Factory, which gives Nailed me it. diarrhea and like not enough retweets and likes back in the day. Wait, you guys don't even like the joke. It's a great freaking joke. I can't even imagine why that joke didn't I'm, I'm searching Twitter for this. Just bear with me. Oh, no. Oh, no. We haven't done that in a while. We've looked up our old tweets about stuff. Maybe next week we'll... Uh, we should... We're like 47 minutes in. We, we got should spell diarrhea. <laughs> next week, let's come up with a list of like four random players from 2014. And we'll look at our old tweets and just be horrified again. That was a fun bit last year. That's a good bit. That's Yeah, we got to get back to that. We got to get back to that. Like, what was I saying about R.A. Dickey? You know what I mean? Right. Oh, I'm sure I just have some just idiotic stuff about Brian LaHare or something like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark can't spell diarrhea, so we're going to let this uh, be a time to end. It's got four H's and two R's. I can certainly write it. I just can't spell it. All right. This that's is not been writing. That's typing. Episode 56 of the Roundtable. Uh, we will be back next week. I will not be back for the next two weeks. I'm going on assignment. Uh, we've got, uh, at least for the first week, Katie Wu filling in for me. That should be awesome. But I'll never know because I'll never listen. Talk about me. <laughs> tell, tell the people what you really think about me, fellas. All right. We will be back next week. Thanks so much for listening. See you then. I was very wrong. If you stop anything in this league, there's something else open. Always. So how do you tie that shit together? How do you get the quarterback to it? The voice you're hearing belongs to San Francisco 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan, and he's rolling. I'm a product of my environment. Oh, I had to change that shit pretty fast. He's in a chair behind his desk, and it's not doing a great job of containing him because as he starts to talk about football and designing a scheme and calling plays and how, in his very strong opinion, all of that is supposed to blend with the players, he's practically rattling. 
not everyone can do everything, but they better be able to do something, whether it's receivers or quarterbacks, and you keep hammering that stuff and you make people defend it. When they defend it, where's the other hole in the defense and who has the best trait to attack that hole and how do you balance them out? Do you have a guy who can find that stuff? If he can't, how do you get him to go through stuff that he'll get to it? Well, then you only put in two plays because it's number one's going to be wide open when it's the right coverage, but when it's the wrong coverage, it'll be so covered that number two will be open. And that's when he's going to go to number two. But don't just tell him to go to number two. Don't make him read the coverage. Make him go through a process of how to get him to there. Or you got a guy who's can just see everything. Kyle, I always go to number three versus cover three. I always go to number one versus cover two. And this is the throw here. It's like, all right, well, let's start talking to you differently. But hey, yeah, that doesn't help that guy either, though. Because you just went to number three. Well, yeah, you said it's good versus quarters. Not everyone plays quarters right. That mic fucking went with your eyes. Now number one was, oh, oh, there's a, there's a situation for everything. Each mic's different. Each play's different. That's why when people say, like, I learned someone's offense, is, is, are you coaching that somewhere? One entire wall of Shanahan's massive office is a dry erase board. It's covered in plays and handwritten notes to himself and a couple of swipes as if he's gotten pissed and dragged his hand across certain ideas and frustration. Are you just, that's like, what are you, the water boy guy who left his yellow book somewhere and now we have all your secret plays? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, that's not how it works. Every play on Shanahan's dry erase board starts as one color. Then he draws over the top of it with a different color, which represents a different variant to the same play. Then another, then another, color after color. Each of the layers interconnect and create a vivid mess that somehow makes so much sense, it's almost three-dimensional. Welcome to the inside of Kyle Shanahan's brain. I mean, I hate to say this is my life because I know when I die, the first thing I'll think about are my loved ones. <laughs> so that's obviously not my life, but shit after that, it's that's all I can think about. This is The Play Callers. My biggest fear, if you talk to me as a 14-year-old, would be the life of an 80s rock star, which is to achieve success and then be on that downward trend. We were so young and went through some really great moments, but went through some challenging moments. But like, we just wanted to get better at football because we wanted to help our players get better. I'll tell you what, there's nothing more lonely than when you're not having success and you are the play caller. Because it's easy when when things are going good, everybody has an idea. When you're not having success on offense and you're calling plays, you're like, hey, can, can somebody help me? It's like crickets on the headset. That's just the way, it's a lonely feeling, it's a lonely world. That's Miami Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel, Los Angeles Rams head coach Sean McVay, and Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. They, and Kyle Shanahan, are the faces of the NFL's youngest coaching family. They all spent their early years together, collaborating to build an offense that borrowed from the old and introduced the new. Each one of these guys sees the game like an AI <laughs> screen. All of these coaches have the same principle, but they all have their own stamp on it as well. They all became head coaches at unprecedented young ages and began to shape their own identities in the most high-pressure environments in sports. Sean McVay got hired in Los Angeles. People were like, really? Because he was so young. The tree wasn't established as kind of the NFL's go-to hiring bank at the time. Versions of their offensive system have now spread across a third of the NFL as their respective coaching staffs are pilfered annually. 
Having a piece of them is synonymous with scoring points. There's a lot of other owners who are just like, okay, like I want to get the next Superman play caller. You know, I want to get someone to touch Sean McVay. I want to get someone to touch Kyle Shanahan because they've won. That's another thing. They've won ball games. I mean, that's an important thing. We can't leave that part out. They have 19 playoff appearances between them, a couple of division and conference championships, and even a Super Bowl win. Sean McVay gets the Gatorade bath after five seasons. The Rams were built to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. Yet these four individual coaches are fated to forever be connected to each other, even as they are always ruthlessly competing and attempting to establish their own individuality. They're competing to be first movers in an ever-changing league and even competing against their own minds in obsessive pursuit of perfect answers within an imperfect game. There's not a fucking minute of any day during the calendar year that that immense responsibility I ever wish to be somebody else's, you know? It's an all-encompassing thing that I feel pretty fucking fortunate to be a part of. It's pretty fucking amazing. You have a microphone giving a shit about what I'm saying. I'm Jordan Rodrigue. I obsess over football for The Athletic. A few years ago, I saw something at a Sean McVay run practice that helped me understand how the game collides with itself and how the people, especially these people, within it collide with each other. Football is action and reaction, biology and sociology and evolution. A game, yet with the highest stakes and demanding of a deeply human toll. We're watching these guys and the teams they coach live it all right in front of us with an openness that is kind of startling. If you know where to look. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.